Welcome to Off The Cut, a podcast where we talk about building, making, and answering all of your questions. I'm Eric from Spensley Design Co. And I'm Zach from Zach Builds. If you have a question that you would like us to answer on air, you can send it to offthecutpodcast at gmail.com. You can find both of us on YouTube, Instagram, and unfortunately, because we have to keep up with kids, you can find us on TikTok too. All right, now let's get into the show. Unlike Jason Bent and the Green Series podcast, I will cordially welcome you to Off the Cut episode 78. We're up in Toronto. Today is known as Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. But here in Ohio, today is respectfully dedicated to the food of the day, pecan torts. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I just want to say quick, uh, quick complaints about the Green Suitors podcast is you're right. One they, of don't, many. they don't cordially welcome no. people to the show. So thank you for no. keeping it cordial here. All yeah, right. Yeah, now yeah. let's get back Classic. to uh, the pecan thing, because I think Derek will probably have something to say about that. Clearly, he must love pecans. He put it right in the name of his business. <laughs> so, I honestly say I, I, I've never been a fan of pecans until recently. Oh, oh until recently. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's. Oh, for, I think first thing we need to get out of the way. Pecan. Uh, sorry. Pecan versus pecan. Oh, yeah. I say pecan. Highly debated. Yeah. It is here. It's pronounced pecan. Pecan. Yeah. Okay. Sounds very formal. It, oh, I forgot what it was. It was something about um, you pee in a can, you yeah. eat a pecan. Okay. To that effect. But yeah. you're in uh, you're in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah. And okay. and really in the the south and I want to say the west, it's pecan. And then if you go out east, you hear a lot of pecan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. tracks. What do you say, Eric? I would typically go for pecan. But that's okay. just because, again, this, you know, I love my mother. She's a lovely woman. But I told you she has the French thing, right? Where she, like, loves yeah. to pronounce French words, right? Yeah. And she always, like, tries to say words in the fanciest way. So she ever always says pecan. I think I think that yeah. might be all white women born between 1940 and, like, 1975, maybe. They try and Perhaps. say things in the fanciest way possible. <laughs> so my mom did that too. <laughs> Look up if you can find some sort of percentage of people to say pecan <laughs> versus pecan. This is the yeah. kind of data. I bet there's, isn't there like a subreddit that's all about data analysis and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, data is beautiful, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I bet that's on there. Yeah. What about, uh, I think my favorite one is scone versus scone. S- who the hell says scone? Uh, my mother-in-law. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I know, All right. I know. Crazy. All right. I mean, I'm not judging, but I'm judging. <laughs> but you're judging. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of like a sconce light, but that's a different. That's a. That's different. a different beast. No, we're talking yeah. about the the shitty. Oh, there's the explosive. The shitty oh. crackers you get at the coffee store. <laughs> crackers. They're, they're, they're well, like, yeah, it's cookie or piece of crappy cake whatever it tastes horrible nobody likes them not a pastry i'll tell you that yeah what would you what would a scone be <laughs> i mean it's almost like a bagel pastry mix I, I mean sometimes they're sweet most of the time they're not i don't know i mean like the greatest talent scout of our age always said it's gonna be a no for me dog 
There's also speaking of bagel mix. There's bagel versus bagel. Have you ever? Oh, you're a psychopath if you say bagel. There's there's one city in uh, Ontario, which is the province that Toronto's in. I'm doing that math for all of our uh, American listeners out there. There's a city in Ontario, and I know a few people from there, and they all say bagel. And I'm like, what is going on with Belleville, Ontario? (laughs) I remember the first time I went to um, Toronto was for hockey camp. And we were we were talking about hockey sticks. So like you can like back in the day they'd make hockey sticks out of wood, but yeah. now they make it out of like an artificial like you know alloy. Yeah. So somebody we were we were, were talking about them, and somebody said it's a composite stick. Oh. And yeah. I thought that yeah. this person was the biggest idiot in the world. But remember, <laughs> I'm like ten, right? Yeah, so yeah, like, sure, sure, sure. I haven't been exposed to other cultures at the age of ten. And I got in like a heated debate, like a group of like six of us, like yelling about like, that's not how you say it. Because <laughs> we so would did... say composite. Composite versus composite. Oh, interesting. I would say I'm going to composite two images together, but I would say a composite stick. Sure, sure. I've only ever heard composite, Wait. but I have heard composition. Sure. Those are two different things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But see, that that's what makes sense is you say composition and then comp- composite. Like, I, I, I could see how you would do them. Composite. Composite. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. Now that I've said it, I don't even know which one I say. Yeah, well, <laughs> Probably the Canadian way, though. Yeah, that's fair. It is what you <laughs> have to do is you have to say sorry. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Which, sorry uh, is just a filler word that Canadians use when they don't know what else to say. Or don't you know? Don't you know? That's more of yeah. like Wisconsin area. Yeah. Yeah, that's like um I, I again I could see like older women doing that. I feel like okay. I might have had like an aunt or something say that to me at some point, but Man, I haven't heard it much lately. Zach's really alienating our crowd here tonight. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all views expressed are those of the individuals and not of off the <laughs> podcast as an entity. All rights reserved. Yeah, yes. Send your hate mail directly to me, not to the podcast. I got to say the pecan versus pecan divide is a lot closer than I thought it would be. <sighs> okay. With 45% of Americans preferring pecan and 55% preferring pecan. Okay. Or pecan. I- I would like to know where they did this research. Yeah. Reader's Digest. Mm, seems suspect. <laughs> Mess a tabloid, right? Yeah. yeah. This uh, yeah. <laughs> <just> rag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's enough of that. Well, anyway, I want to talk about what, uh, you know, what I've been up to the last week. And yeah, it's please. something that. I've been kind of moderately interested in it, but then I look at it and I'm like, I'm not buying one of those things. Like, I don't think I'm going to use it that much, but I got one, you know, I got one last week and I got to say it like it's made me excited. It's got me like rethinking, got a different mindset of like, oh my gosh, I have so many different possibilities and like 
it's making my creativity part of my brain kind of spin in a good way. And it's a 3D printer. Yeah. I'm yeah. Excited. So, yeah. Okay. So give me the rundown. What have you, so I guess for the audience at home, we both got the same 3D printer earlier this week. Um, yeah. But for me, I guess it's kind of old news because I already have a couple, but this mm -hmm. is a brand new thing for you. So yeah. tell me, what are the first few things that you've printed with it? Okay, so I printed like when something when I got it set up or whatever, mm -hmm. like and a little test print or something. Yeah, I did this like cube that was like a like a like a playing dice that had like a oh. bunch of random textures and whatnot on it. Okay, I was like that went really smooth. Um, what was the second thing I printed? Um, except the textured side. Hmm. <laughs> so it went smooth. Ah. I <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. No, it was like one was like stair step one. Had like text on it. One was like, uh, like embedded text. One was embossed text. Like it was it, it, all kind of stuff like that. Um, cool. I think after that, I was like, all right, I got this. I got this. I've been working like I've been talking about this this Fusion 360 class. That's all about how to you know design and build furniture and stuff in Fusion. So I I had the bright idea, not knowing a damn thing about 3D printers. I'm like, I want to make a miniature model of this. So That's I, actually a cool idea. I know, I sorry, know. you're going to get into the specifics of it, but like just to print something out, like say you want to run something by Miranda, like, hey, Miranda, I'm thinking right. about building this coffee table. Why don't I just print out a scale model of it? And then right. we can like both look at it and like maybe move things around or like give, you know, critiques on certain things. So yeah, right. sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. Because I think a lot of woodworkers for the most part have a very spatially perceptive mind when somebody says, oh, it's going to be about two inches this way and about 12 inches this way. Most yeah. woodworkers can like literally see that in their mind. And that's why they're typically pretty good at building stuff. Well, not everybody has that skill. So like I will show stuff to Miranda, even on the computer. And she goes, I see it, but I don't get it. Yeah. And yeah. so I showed her, I, I ended up printing off like a piece of furniture furniture. And she goes, now I see it. She goes, this is amazing. This is going to make my design critiques of your work. And like, <laughs> you know, we need a new coffee table. Like she's like, I can physically see it. And she's like, Oh, this looks weird. Don't do that. So she was yeah. thrilled. And like, that was one of the things where I didn't even think that using a 3d printer was going to basically like aid in my entire design process of building furniture and stuff. Like it takes what, like a half hour to print out a scale model of a piece of furniture. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's yeah. great. Well, it's, I guess it depends how big you go with it. Cause you know, 3d printers, the bigger you go, the longer it takes. But if you right. just want to do like a little one inch high table or something right. like that and 3d printers, they have very fine resolution. So even if you print something that's only an inch tall, you're still going to get all the detail in it. Oh yeah, you get. I mean, you could get fifty to a hundred layers in there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. before we hopped on the air, you were showing a bunch of. Uh, you were sharing your screen with me and Derek, and you were showing. Yeah. You had like a bunch of components laid out yeah. on the print bed. So are you going to do like a bigger model of one of your pieces, and you're like printing off all the various components of it? So what I'm doing now and. It's kind of a combination of things I've been interested in recently. That's why it's kind of fun is I finished up the Fusion 360 course. I feel like pretty, pretty solid on like how to use all that. So I'm mm -hmm. like, OK, 
I want to go and model something that I'm going to have no like help. Like I can't just like pull up a video and be like, okay, oh, okay, that's why. Excuse me, that's why I do with this step. I was like, I'm going to model something completely my own. That went flawlessly. Like it was way easier than I thought. So, and it's uh, it's basically that like camera rig that Jason Bent was telling us about. Oh yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. yeah. I built that out of wood, but because I made it by hand, not all the pieces are like the exact same length. So sometimes when I like articulate all those different arms, the camera gets like slightly like ajar, mm. not perfectly level. So I was like, well, this would be a great thing for me to test 3D printing. So I the first thing I did is print off a bunch of like the little arms, mm-hmm. right? And they came out flawlessly. Now, obviously, yep. I had to like, you know, stack several of them on like the print beds for them to print all at the same time and stuff like that. But like, I'm shocked by one, how light it is, because it has like a little, you know, it's not just solid plastic. They do like little textures and patterns on the inside to just reduce weight. But it's it's strong as hell. Yeah. And that well, so the stuff that came with it is uh, I think they call it hyper PLA. So it's probably a PLA plastic that's alloyed with something in it to make it a little bit stronger. Okay. so I think we talked last week about how like PLA is the basic. It's like the commodity grade plastic that you can run. It's the construction grade pine. Exactly. Exactly. That's 3D printing world. Um, but when you alloy stuff into it, it can actually get pretty strong pretty quickly. So I don't, you know, and especially if you're only trying to hold up like a five to 10 pound camera, it'll do it all day long. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about. Like, okay, it's going to take a little while to print all this stuff, but like, it's going to mm-hmm. cost me like 15 bucks to print out this entire camera rig. Like, exactly. It's pretty damn and cool. The nice thing about these printers is like, once you have it dialed in and you know how to use it pretty reliably, just, you know, you got a big print to do, set it up to start printing before you go to bed, like be there for like the first 30 minutes or so. But then after that, if everything's going according to plan, I don't have any problem just leaving my 3D printers going when I'm not there. Right, right. But it's, it's like I said, it's kind of reinvigorated that like, oh my gosh, I can like rapid prototype things. I can design furniture and then not have to be like, okay, well now I got to go build a damn thing or even like yeah. build a scale model. I can print one and see it and be like, ah, this, this looks weird. So like for me, that's the kind of application that I'm more excited for. And it's something that nobody had really talked to me about 3d printers before with like that capability. So I think if there are woodworkers out there, like design pieces of furniture, yeah. design like two holders, tool, tool holders, a 3d printer could be something really cool to consider like just having in your arsenal yeah definitely i didn't even yeah until you said it i didn't even really think about it but it's yeah it's pretty cool i know a lot of architectural firms use them for making models of homes so like say you design a whole house for a client you want to show them what the outside of it's going to look like well just fire it out of the 3d printer and then have it ready to go for the next meeting you know what i just thought of while you were saying that is what if you're uh, designing and, and rebuilding your, your kitchen, your kitchen cabinets? Imagine yeah. if you just printed out little cabinets that are like a half inch big. Yeah. And then you can literally like put them next to each other, like rearrange your whole thing, design your whole kitchen right there. Yeah, totally. Or say you ha- you're moving into new shop space and you want to like rearrange oh. all of your furniture in your shop. Just print out a little table saw, print out a little assembly table. 
See, these are the things. If somebody would have told me these sort of things, I would have gotten way more excited about 3D printing. Yeah. From the get-go. Yeah, yeah. And I think there are a lot more woodworking applications than people expect. For sure, for sure. They they figured out how to sell it because I'm hearing this is basically a dollhouse version of your shop. But they didn't sell it like that. They sold it as a really cool tool. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a dollhouse generator. That's what I'm going to start telling people from now on. A dollhouse (laughs) generator. But I mean, think of it like we, okay, let's be real. Unless everybody has all festival tools, which we don't, like Mm -hmm. you go to plug. Some of the green suitors do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it is what it is. You go to plug your dust collector hose and a lot of your tools, it fits fine. Others, it drives you fucking bananas. I know. I know. you go to the home center and they have like these kits of like all these different uh, adapter sizes. You pay like $25 from and none of the damn things fit. It's mm-hmm. infuriating. 3D mm-hmm. printer. You just print a little like circular nozzle. Boop, done. Dude. You, yeah. You like you fit one into another. Right. Stack them. Yeah. Yeah. True. And all the, like all the dust collection in your shop. Like if you're doing big ducting runs and you're adapting from like an eight inch, duck down to like the three inch port on right. your tool nobody sells an eight inch to three inch adapter i haven't seen one before but you could easily just print that like normally yeah you'd be stacking 10 or you know well maybe not 10 but three or four different fittings to get down to the desired size now you can just go from one to the other and you're gonna pay and if you did find that fitting you're gonna pay 45 dollars for that something yeah something ridiculous like that yeah and i mean like Eric, you've been using Fusion for like two weeks now. Overnight. Yeah, two, three weeks, I'd say. Think about how easily you could model your own like dust collection blast gate. Of uh, 10 minutes, maybe. It, right. And these these adapters that you're talking about, that's like a five minute job. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm honestly considering just spending a full day in the shop. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take this latest 3D printer that I got take that one to the shop because I already have two in my office Yeah, and just spend a whole day 3D printing dust collection adapters yes. and things to wall mount things with. Yeah. I mean, like it's, by the way, this is not sponsored by the 3D printing company. You can, you can tell because we haven't even told you what the name of the, yeah, I know I was going to say, I don't think we is. even said the name of it. Um, but there's so many applications for woodworkers, even as a hobbyist, like you said, dust collection fittings. What if you have like a, a drawer where you put all your chisels in? I'm saying yeah. this because I saw uh, Scott Walsh made one like he made this 3D printed, like basically like holder thing that you you put all your chisels in and protects the edges of them. Then you can throw it in a drawer like they're cool things like that. It's going to cost yeah. you a dollar to print. Yeah, I just 3D printed a holder for my soldering iron. So it holds my mm-hmm. soldering iron, it holds a roll of solder, and then it holds all the different various heads for the soldering iron. Right. And the best thing about it is, let's say you're like, yeah, I get it. Zach, Eric, 3D printer sounds pretty dope. I don't want to learn how to use Fusion. No problem. Mm-hmm. All you yeah, do true. is just Google whatever you want at STL file. You might pay a couple bucks for it. Most of them are free. Yep. And you can print it. Yeah. 
there's been quite a few times where I've been like, oh, I need this thing. And I'll sit down to 3D model it, and then I'll go on this website called Thingiverse or Printables, and yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah. search for it, and somebody else has already made it. Right. And I just print it out, and it's good to go. Right. Like yeah. dust collection. I guarantee somebody has already made a lot of them. You can just be like, I don't even have to model it. Even though in Fusion, you literally draw two circles, you press loft, and you're done. <laughs> exactly, like, yes. It's, it's that easy. You could do it in probably, what, three steps? Yeah. Infusion. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, if you didn't want to, somebody could make that for you. But it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting. But I wrote down a couple questions because I know that not everybody has a 3D printer. So mm -hmm. I wrote down like, this was like, I'm just getting into it. I wrote down a couple questions because I wanted to come up with a list of like super DIY beginner questions that people are going to have. Okay. First one. What and I still don't know the answer to this one. What happens if I'm printing something and midway through the print, I run out of filament? That's a good question. So this has happened to me on my other printers, but not this new one just yet. So I can't say for sure that this is going to happen. But what it should do is just detect that it's not getting any more filament. It'll take the printhead, it'll move it over to the side, and it'll throw an error that says, hey, can you give me more filament? Okay. And then you literally just feed a new roll of filaments into it. It'll pull it through. It'll like squirt out the first little bit to prime the head. And then it'll go to exactly where it was and start printing again. Great. Okay. Um, I actually even did it recently. I don't have the piece anymore. But so I printed this piece here. This is like blue plastic. I printed it before in black and I ran out halfway through. And I even switched from a different kind of filament. I was printing in basic PLA and I went to a matte PLA and it just picked up and continued right in the middle of the print. No problem. No problem. Okay. Okay. So that makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, oh, here's another one. See, these are all, I'm trying to hit the beginner questions. It came with a glue stick. Yes. What the hell is the glue stick for? So depending on what you're printing, the glue stick can either be there to add in adhesion or to help separate like um almost like um when you're baking a pizza and you put a little you sprinkle some flour on the pan to keep it from sticking to the pan huh. so okay with P so most prints if they're going to fail they're probably going to fail in the first layer and you what will happen is the plastic won't stick to the bed properly okay um so adding a very thin layer of glue stick to your build bed can actually help the plastic in a lot of cases stick to the bed a little bit better. When you're printing with some materials like uh, PETG, which is like a really, you print it at a very high temperature, it can actually get so stuck to the print bed that it's really hard to remove. And in that case, the glue stick acts like a little bit of a barrier to set, to help mm. release the, um, the plastic later printing. Kind but, of like baking on like parchment paper or something. Exactly, exactly. Okay. But generally speaking, if I don't need to use it, I won't. So with this new printer that we both got, uh, that I think it's funny that we just don't say the name of it ever. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I haven't used glue stick once and I haven't had a problem. Okay. All my prints have been fine. So it's not something that you necessarily have to use. I covered the, the little tray in glue because it said apply glue. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing, but it hasn't messed anything yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, no, it doesn't. And if, if, 
anything that's just going to help you. So, especially when you're printing in PLA. Okay. Okay. We um, could maybe leak the name in the after show. Maybe. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's a good it. tease. There's a good tease. So the next question is: Once I print something, I pull it off. How do I clean the surface of this thing? Like sometimes you can see a little outline of where you printed. Uh, okay. Well, if you want to do it the proper way. You should get a rag and some isopropyl alcohol and like wipe down the whole thing and start again. But if you're a lazy person like me, you just get the glue stick and you go over the area <laughs> that you remove the glue stick from and then you're good to go. Okay. It really depends. Like if I'm printing something that's like, uh, it's going to be a 10 hour print and it's this massive thing. It's really complicated. It's not really worth it to risk it. So I'll usually take the plate out, clean it perfectly, put down a fresh layer of glue stick, and then print. But if it's something small where I'm not too worried about it, I'll usually just YOLO it and print. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, The other thing that I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm printing off like one of these little little cubes, a little bar. So anybody at home listening, it's based, think of like a, like a half inch thick piece of plywood that's about one inch by 12 inches. So it's kind of like a ruler basically. Mm-hmm. Well, it what blew my mind was that it doesn't print it solid. It basically well, like, makes a shell and then yeah. there's some random support structure on the inside. So yeah. like, what's work. the advantage of that? It's basically just material saving. So okay. If you want, when you go to print, there should be a setting called infill. There is. and Yeah. So basically setting that parameter determines how uh, dense your lattice network will be inside of a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you set it to 10%, it's going to have 10% of the inside of objects is going to be filled with lattice, like solid with the lattice work. If you okay. step up to 20, it doubles it and you know so on from there. Um, generally speaking, the outside walls will be a little bit thicker. They might be like, you know, a millimeter or two thick, and then it transitions to lattice work on the inside. You can also play with that setting. So there's a lot of different settings you can adjust within your slicer program to control the print. And the more infill you have, the stronger the final object tends to be. And are there different structures for the lattice work? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I can pick like five or ten different ones. I think that, yeah, I think that might even be... There might even be more than that. I think there's an infinite way to like to organize it. But I think the cool thing is like, you know, I know we're I'm bringing up some of these questions and stuff because one, it's just I was curious and I think other people are going to have the same questions having never used a 3D printer. before. Yeah, for sure. What's cool is that the the these like the slicer program, which think of it is like basically what you're printing from more or less. It's like, yeah, you open up, you know, you I don't know. What's a good example? I. It's like when you're editing a Word document and then you go file print and that window pops up and it right. says like, how many pages do you want this to be on? Do you want it to be on both sides of the page or or like I'm trying to. Yeah, it's, that's, a, it's that's a, little, a perfect example. It's just a little intermediary step where you go from your 3D modeling software to the actual 3D printer and you yeah. configure the parameters of the print. But everybody knows that if you just press file print and never touch anything, your your document's still going to come out. Yeah, yeah. It may not have the exact same margins, or it might not have been double sided, or like flipped double sided. Like, 
but your, your document's still coming out. So the, the cool yes. thing with a 3D printer is even if I didn't know I could adjust any of those settings for the first couple of prints, I just press print. Yeah. And it yeah. did all of that stuff by itself, which was really cool. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, a relatively new thing. A lot of these 3D printing companies are trying to make it as easy and as user-friendly as possible for people to get into it. Because, you know, realistically, you want to have a good, exper- good, easy experience your first few times. Like, you want to just go file print and have it spit out the thing. That's and then once you get a little bit more advanced, then you can start tinkering like, okay, I want a different infill pattern or I right. want thicker sidewalls. But that stuff comes with experience and time. Yeah. But I, the reason I brought it up is because I think it's cool to know that like, if you're someone like me who didn't know a, a damn thing about 3D printing, yeah. I got my mo- model, I pressed file print, and I went, uh, okay, yeah. let it rip. And it yeah. worked perfectly. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Now, I believe you did eventually run into an issue where you didn't include some supports and you yes. did have a failed print, right? So yes. tell me about some of the, the obstacles that you've encountered. The failure. So I think, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I think this is a perfect example of you need to fail to learn. Yes. So think of a, a like a coffee table or a desk or whatever. I think it was a desk. I In my Fusion course, I had modeled a, a full desk. So I was like, it'd be cool to make a miniature version of this. So not knowing anything about 3D printing, I press file print, goes over the printer, it starts printing it up. Now, it prints it from the bottom up because that's just how I put it in there. So it's going like make little dots for the legs, slowly building itself up. It did the legs, no problem, gets up to the top of the legs. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to put the tabletop on. Well, it puts a little bit of of filament on top of one of the legs and then tries to basically just hover like an inch, inch, inch and a half in air and go to the next one. Well, it's it's think of it if you take a string and like tie it from one desk to a kitchen table, it's going to fall. (laughs) Yeah. And so I didn't set up anything. That's how my first print fail. It just started pouring filament all over the place because it's thinking. I have nothing for this filament to to latch on to. He knows better. Right. Yeah. This well, is what he told me to do. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's actually two ways that you could prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. The easiest way is just to take your table or your desk or whatever it is, flip it over and print from the top up or the top down, yeah. essentially. So you have the, the surface of your table sitting on the print bed, and then you build the legs up from there. Right. That way it's always supported. That's but what I did, try number two. and it That's what you did on try number two. But the other thing you can do is you can also have it print a little bit of disposable material in between the legs to support the top. Yeah. So you end up with this section, this like cube in the middle of your print that you can easily detach. Right. And then so because it's not always not always possible. You might have overhangs in two separate areas. It's not you can't always just flip your model over and have it work. Right. So supports are kind of interesting. And there's a whole bunch of different ways to do supports. There's trees. There's like, you know, these cubes. Right. Kind of cool. So that was that was an experience of where I had to fail yeah. to learn. Like if I would have immediately started going, okay, well, you know, 
how do I do this, 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 and this? And like, you got to check out for this. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's too much. Let me fail. And then go, okay, now I know why you need these supports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the really crazy thing is that, you know how you described going from one leg to the other and the, you know, just basically like a string falling down, yeah. right? There are instances like it can bridge gaps, which I don't really even understand how it does. But if you're just bridging like a half inch gap or something like that, it can find a way to connect those two points. I know. And I like I don't really understand how it works, but it's just kind of magic. And it does. The bigger the gap, the, the riskier it is. But for small little gaps, it seems to not have a problem. Which is very interesting. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to know. So is like knowing when you have to put supports in things that you print, is that something that kind of comes with experience? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, for me, it's actually it's been one of those things where I learned by failure because I had a print where there was an overhang and I forgot to click the little box that says enable supports. Mm. So my printer just went for it. And it actually succeeded. It was like a perfect print. I was like, how is that possible? So then I started testing. Okay, I was like, okay, what are the limits? How far can it print without any supports? And it got up to like, it could like bridge three quarters of an inch without any supports, which is I thought was pretty crazy. So in quick summary, the 3D printer, just like any other tool, will do whatever the user tells it to do. Yeah. It's not magic. Likewise with the CNC. You know, yeah. you you run a toolpath on a CNC and you got, you know, two inch thick walnut in there and you got a quarter inch spiral bit and you're like, yeah, just cut it all in one pass. Your CNC <laughs> yeah. is going to go, okay. You're and you have boss. to learn by failure to learn why you can't do that. Yes, yes. Speaking of, I broke two bits on my CNC yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, I have a couple more questions. I want to get some of these other questions out there, and then I want to hear yeah. about that. Um, oh, yeah, let's do it. So on some, on some 3D printers, and I only know this because I saw some, I watched some of the videos that Brad from Fix This Build, Build That has done. Oh, yeah. Um, just to, to try to get a little more familiar with 3D printing. So does this printer that we have have that, like, disposable, like, poop shoot thing that he was talking about? No. So as far as I know, that's only a thing on the Bamboo Labs um, printers because the Bamboo Labs can switch between different filaments. And when it switches between filaments, it needs to purge all of filament that's currently in the line. That makes sense. Yeah. So usually what it does is it just heats it up and it pushes it through the nozzle and then it sends it out to poop shoot. Um. Yeah. Oh, I can hear him. I oh, think we lost. Uh, I don't know. There. Lost me. <laughs> oh, okay. Do we lose you for there for a second, Derek? At Texas, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It uh, too bad we didn't lose the Green Suiters podcast. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> um. So the other thing, I I got two more questions. One, mm-hmm. in the box that came with this extra nozzly thingy that says "hot end" on it. What yeah. is that? So that is a replacement. There is a hot end that's currently in there. Basically, that's the nozzle that squirts out the plastic. So that's the piece that heats up and melts the plastic. And will it eventually break? 
Yeah, so it depends. There's a lot of filaments that have stuff in them that makes them a little bit abrasive. So, okay. for instance, carbon fiber reinforced PLA, it's very rough feeling. So if you have a soft nozzle or a soft hot end, it can actually like rub away and wear it out as it prints. Hmm. So it kind of depends what you're printing, but basically it's, it would be considered a disposable uh, part. It's kind of like the, you know, the blades on your planer or something okay. like that. It okay. will eventually wear out and they send you a replacement with it. Is it, so you have to just buy another one or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, but generally, every th uh, I think every 3D printer I've ever got comes with at least one replacement. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Last question I had was okay. when you print stuff, um, sometimes you get little sharp edges. What, how do I, what am I supposed to do with that? Like sand those little edges yeah. off? Just a little, I have a little sanding block that I cut near my 3D printer and I just use that to okay. just round off any corners. It makes sense. A lot of the stuff like sands surprisingly well. Okay, Derek, you had a that was my last three D printing question. Derek, you said you had one. Yeah, I just got one that I was kind of thinking of while you guys were talking. I know you both have them, and mm -hmm. uh, Zach or Eric is yours in your um, in your office at home. Yeah, in yeah. your house somewhere. Yeah. Okay, and then Zach, it looked like yours were behind you in your office there. Yeah, I have the new one. I have it actually downstairs on the floor of my living room because I haven't found a permanent spot for it yet. <laughs> so I had heard that they can off-gas and create fumes. Have you noticed that? Yes. Or do you have any ventilation in place for them? So two things. Well, yeah, I guess two things on that front. Um, one, I think it varies depending on the plastic that you're using. I mean, okay. either way, you're melting plastic, so it's probably not great. Um, I would advise everybody to, you know, maybe have a window open or not be in the same room as it, although I do, I do that all the time. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, though, but they actually have little filters on the backside of them where they're exhausting the air. So it does actually run the air through like a little bit of a filtration before it pumps it out into the room. And the one that we both got is like a fully enclosed unit with fans and a yes. filter. Some of them are totally open. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's worth saying too, for sure. But yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's something I was actually t uh, talking to Jason Grissom about this. And I'm so I'm going to get a resin 3D printer. And he was saying, oh, you definitely want to have not have it in any uh, room. Like you want to wear like a full respirator. So I'm thinking I'm going to put it in the shop. But he was talking about the VOCs. And um, so he said he was going to buy a VOC measuring device and see if, yeah, and then see if his normal 3D printer gave off any VOCs. So that I'm actually sense. just, yeah, I'm kind of waiting to see what his results are from that. Yeah. The, uh, so, but I mean, so uh, we talked a little bit about 3D printing, but, you know, one of the other applications that I was excited about that, I actually got from a viewer. He Ooh. saw me use that, you know, the Craig, the blue plastic Craig, like concealed hinge jig thingy where sure, you chalk yeah. it up to your drill and then you drill out your hinge cups for like your Euro hinges and stuff. Mm -hmm. It works great. But every single person has run into this if they've ever used it. You're, you're removing a boatload of chips and yeah. there's no dust extraction on it. So it gets clogged <laughs> up and is a nightmare every time you mm -hmm. use it. 
Well, uh, a viewer named Al sent me basically a 3D printed version of it that has a little dust nozzle that you connect the, the Festool hose to. And he, he sent it. it to me. And I was like, dude, this is incredible. Like, this is the kind of thing where from now on, anytime I'm like in the shop and I'm like, ah, this annoys the piss out of me, I'm going to go stop. 3D print a solution to this. That's yeah. what makes me super excited about it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. So I don't know if I'm ever going to start creating products for it, but you never know. know, man. You're gonna you're gonna make something one day for one of those pain in the ass things, and you're gonna have it in a video, and then people are gonna be like, "Where can I get that STL file? Give me that STL file." No, <laughs> or like Travis from Shop Nation, like he created an entire business doing like tool holders and dust yeah. collection fittings for miter saws and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, going back to like when I was starting college and stuff, like I always wanted to get into product development. So I was like, maybe this is my first entry level, you know, entry point into being able to develop products. And it's just, it makes me excited. Like yeah. I'm, you know, kind of reinvigorated, like really excited to like start thinking about things and start tinkering. And like, it's always fun when you feel like that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Huh. But what have you, you been up to the past week or so, Zach? Um, I was in the shop yesterday working on some pieces for a client. So I was doing a little bit of uh, CNC work for my friends who have a shop. They're doing some props for commercial. Okay. So I just had to basically cut out a bunch of very fine acrylic um, things. And so I'm in the shop. I'm cutting out these acrylic things. Thankfully, everything goes well. I cut out six of these pieces with a very fine one thirty second inch bit. Whoa! And yeah, like teeny tiny. It was going super slow. And so I, I do the print. Everything goes great. And then the head raises up and it's going across to go back to its like home position where it seats. And that little teeny tiny tip just clipped one of the clamps that I had holding my oh. material in place and just destroyed. I was like, thank God that happened at the end of this car oh because gosh, otherwise right. I would have been completely screwed. I would have had to order a replacement one and it takes like weeks to get new bits. So it oh. was, uh, yeah, it was a, you know, silver lining, I guess. It sucked to lose the bit, but at least it was at the end of the job, and the job more than paid for a replacement bit. A one thirty <laughs> second bit. Yeah, it was. I was engraving little teeny tiny text, so I probably can't say the name of the company, but they had me create these stands for action figures. So the action figure is connected to like a, a shaft, and when you put the shaft, what was that hand motion? <laughs> how do they connect it to the shaft yeah <laughs> so you put the action figure on the shaft and then you put the shaft into the stand and the shaft of the goes into this little hole in the stand and presses a little micro switch that then plays an audio file so i had a little speaker embedded in the base and i had to in the in the logo of the company, I had to create these little micro perforations so that sound could come through the logo, if that makes any sense. That's nuts. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting little project. These guys throw just weird shit at me. They're like, hey, we want to have 
you know, an action figure stand that talks. And I'm like, okay, hmm, how can I do that? <laughs> yeah. Huh. So you micro perforated the, the, the acrylic? Yeah. Yeah. Basically just little diagonal lines in the logo that were like a 32nd of an inch thick. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. And it, it, it was able to carve that no problem. Yeah. 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 That's incredible that the, the you have the X carve thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can get that final resolution. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, look, the only thing that's limited by is the size of the bit. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's why I was using that little guy. How much does a one thirty second inch bit run you like 15, 20 bucks? Yeah. I don't think it's that much. Um, honestly, it's not I much bought carbide. Exactly. Exactly. You're not paying for the material. Mm-mm. I bought this bit in like a combo pack that was like 50 or 60 bucks a while ago and just literally had never used it until this point. All right, Zach, tell the people at home, be honest. Are you the guy who buys the cheap router bits on Amazon? I used to be. <laughs> and I kept getting burned by it because what they don't tell you is you buy these cheap bits off of Amazon and they're like, oh, it's a one-eighth inch bit. Well, you put a set of calipers on that thing, and I guarantee you it's not no. exactly an eighth of an inch. It's <laughs> in the ballpark. So when you're um, when you tell your CNC, hey, I have a one-eighth inch bit here, it assumes that it's actually one-eighth of an inch, and it does yeah. all of its measurements based on that. So I was ending up with these big discrepancies between what I had in my 3D models and what I was actually carving in real life. Yeah. So once that started to happen enough, I was like, okay, screw it. You know what? I'm just going to buy the first party bits. They're more expensive. Yes, but they're usually higher quality. Yeah. The ones that X carve makes or inventables makes are all color coded. So it's like nice and simple. You're just like, Oh, I put the black bit in. Oh, and that's yeah. So they have these like little plastic rings on every bit. So it knows you just say, okay, the black one is in, it knows exactly how strong that is, how fast to run it through every material and uh, all the limitations of it and exactly how the diameter of it. So it's basically they do a color code system to make the operation just easier for the end user. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the whole goal. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. All right, it's like all this computer automation stuff. Like I've never really been against it. It's just that like I don't have a CNC. Mm-hmm. I think they're neat, but I was like, I'll never really get one. I never had a 3D printer, and now I got one. It, it it just makes you think more creatively about options that you could do, like that the the action figure stand that that makes sound. You could yeah. have never done that no, if you didn't not have idea. digital fabrication. No, no way, no way. I I even did it in multiple materials. Like the top was acrylic, the bottom was MDF, and I needed them to line up perfectly. Yeah. It's like the only way you're ever going to have that happen is with, uh, with you know, some sort of computer-aided machine. Right. So I guess the sentiment of what I want to get out of this entire conversation is anybody listening, don't be against it. Give it yeah. a shot and let yeah. it, like, spark creativity. Like, don't be like, woodworkers can't use CNCs. Woodworkers can't use 3D printers. No, it it's it kind of you know, helps aid your design and make you become more creative, more creative, more well-rounded. Yeah. I think people have this misconception that a CNC replaces the need for skill as a woodworker. 
And I see it more as like augmenting, augmenting your skill as a woodworker. Right. You, you find new ways to help, to have it help you achieve your goals rather than achieving your goals for you, if that makes sense. Right. You really have and to same be... thing with a 3D printer. Like I'm just really excited to like make jigs with it and have it improve my woodworking, make my woodworking a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Improves your skills. Yeah. Not only do you have the woodworking skills, but now you have the CNC skills. Totally, right. totally. You have the 3D and it gives you a, skills. It gives you a new avenue with which to solve problems, like right. the yes. that dust collection thing. How many videos have you seen of guys getting PVC? tubes heating them up and then forcing them onto various dust collection connectors i right? did that i've got yeah. that in my shop <laughs> so it just gives you a different avenue with which to solve that problem right it's exciting and like so let's think of a cnc for example let's say that you're somebody who has never you know done template or pattern routing on yeah. a piece of furniture because yeah. you're like, oh, what if, you know, if I want to make this template, I, I shape it by hand. And it's just, it's never like the right curves. It never looks good. Well, if you get a CNC, you can cut your own templates and boom. Now you can like make a template that's perfectly smooth and shaped. So you can totally. make those cutting boards or make like interesting furniture legs. It's in that sense, it's not replacing what you're doing. Like Derek said, it's augmenting what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Zach, you're like me. You don't really consider yourself a hard woodworker. You're more of a, like me. I'm like a maker is what I would really yeah. consider I'm myself a, I'm, to be. I'm just a, a guy who fakes it on YouTube. <laughs> How funny myself. would it be? I know. So I know if Tamar from 3x3 Custom, I know in one of her videos, she addressed like, there's a lot of people that think that I'm just a face on the camera and that her husband like actually builds everything. What? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She talked about one of her videos. Like, can That's you insane. imagine if you and I were pulling that? Like, <laughs> if you and I, you and I actually never yeah. ever built anything in our lives. Yeah, it's your wife the whole time. <laughs> that would be, be kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it's all hand shots only. All hand shots only, yeah. I mean, oh you God. would tell really quickly if it was Sophie's hands and not my hands. Her <laughs> nails are a lot nicer than mine. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Zach, you've got, just like me, you've got, I wouldn't say like the big, chunky, beefy, like man hands. Like you got pretty oh, no, normal hands. Yeah. So you yeah. gotta, on your, one of your next videos, you gotta slip a shot in of one of your girlfriends holding the piece down or something. Oh, just that's the hands a good idea. See oh, if somebody that's... notices. It's funny in my latest video that I'm editing right now, Sophie's in it for like a split second. And Ooh. she was like, she was like, Oh, I don't want to be on camera right now. Like, and, but it's funny just the way it happened and the way the camera is set up, you can't even see her. Like you see like a little bit of her legs for a second yeah. in the final footage, but you don't even see her. So she was worried for nothing. Oh, I haven't done a good Easter egg in a while. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was working on one for my video. that's going to come out hopefully sometime soon i don't know that's i sent out the brand approval today um nice. it's for like a life insurance thing or whatever but they're like oh yeah show how easy it is to sign up so i put the age 69 <laughs> <laughs> i hope i at least get a good chuckle out of that so i'm sure some people will be like nice i wonder if they'll catch it 
I hope I hope they do, and they are okay with it because that's funny. I don't know why they would care. I don't know why yeah. they would care, but <laughs> that's that's going to be my don't buy Milwaukee tools video. I think, nice. I hope nice. it does well. I think it's going to piss people off. If, but if yeah. they watch it, they'll get the sentiment. You know, yeah. It is um, it is. So let me ask you this. Now that you've used a 3D printer for the last few days, the last couple yeah, yeah, weeks, yeah. whatever, are you now more open to potentially getting a CNC in the future? Oh, hell yeah. I've always I'm, I've wanted a CNC. Um, I, I really just don't have like the space for it. If I yeah. get one, I'd get something like the X Carve or like the Onefinity or whatever that I could like mount it to the wall and then like kind of like like prop it up or like yeah or like get some some sort of system where I could basically like hoist it up to the ceiling and then when I want to use it like drop it down like on like chain oh, cool. like a, like a winch system or something yeah 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 um, have you seen the people that mount them on the wall and they print with them sideways on the yeah. Wall? Yeah, I've often wondered, like, is that okay for it long term? Because I know it's constructed in such a way because like the router head of it's quite heavy. Right. So I know it's constructed in such a way that it's assuming that the router head is oriented in a certain direction. I just worry that long term there might be like strain on it that you wouldn't be accounting for like that. I know the Onefinity has because I I was talking to them a little bit just out of curiosity, you know, trying to truthfully trying to land one i didn't get yeah. one um <laughs> uh they said there's actually a setting where you can like it's designed for that there's a setting where oh, you okay. can have All it right. to be known as like vertical mounted so basically the motors that it uses to move the cnc in the x y and z direction um if you set them differently it'll basically like change like the limit of how much power they will output so that it doesn't oh. think it's stuck on something. Very cool. Yeah. Which huh. is, it, it's clever. It's creative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. like the Onefinity system. They're pretty neat. But honestly, I think if I'm going to get a CNC, it'd be the Shaper, the Origin thingy, the handheld one. The handheld one. Is that considered a CNC? I, I would. Just, I, think of, I think of that as like a, I don't know, like a computer-aided router. But that's what a CNC is. I guess, but like you still have to do the moving. You know, like one of the nice things about a CNC is if it's set up well, you can kind of walk away from it and do something else for a little bit. Whereas with True. the shaper, you kind of have to be there working it yeah. the whole time, right? Yeah, like I, I wouldn't like want to use a shaper to route out a, a curvature on a 12-foot dining table. Like, no thank you. Yeah, you could. Yeah. You could. You could. But I would rather take a shaper to let's I'm making this up. I go to somebody. I go to a local basketball team is like, hey, we want to get our logo embedded on our floor. Exactly. I would take the shaper all day, any day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. As opposed to trying to like, OK, I'm going to rip up your floor. I'm going to try to take a couple of boards. I'm going to try to like glue them all together, carve them on my CNC. Now I got to bring them all back and then hopefully yeah, no that way. all fits like oh the shaper's no perfect they yeah. definitely like have their pros and cons but i think for what i would mostly what i would do i think the shaper would be better for me i mean yeah. you're not gonna flatten anything with the shaper yeah uh even like i was working on my coffee table project and i was like it was i did a big glue up with like a hundred pieces and it was pretty like uneven afterwards 
I was like, should I put it in the CNC and put a flattening bit on the CNC right. and then have it do it? But then in the end, I was like, nah, screw it. I'll just do the drum sander. I think I'll be faster. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. But it's it's always an option. So like that's a perfect yeah. example. Like let's say you're somebody who does a lot of slab tables. Mm-hmm. Even if you have no you have no interest in ever like cutting crazy intricate patterns with a CNC. Dude, a CNC just running flattening passes on like slab tables. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean if you're in like a production setting or you're if you could be working on other things while the CNC is flattening your next slab for you. That's pretty. Right. Yeah, that's that'd be pretty handy. Now, would woodworkers consider that cheating? I don't know. Some people will consider anything cheating, <laughs> but uh, it's. I think it's just interesting to kind of look at it from multiple different avenues, different perspectives. Of, For sure, you know how these tools could could help out, and that's yeah, that's the 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 moral, the gist of this is. I'm excited to have a new tool that inspires me to be creative in different ways. And I'm sure that'll be pulled into some woodworking stuff and, you know, in turn do some content stuff. Like, am I going to become a 3d printing channel? No. Yeah. But I might be like, like, Oh, this is a woodworking problem that I always have an issue with. Here's how I solved it. Like, yeah, exactly. I used my 3d printer to make this little jig and it made my life so much easier. Right. Links in the video description. Buy it. You, Buy it. You could be like, <laughs> you could even do a, a video, you know, something along the lines of like five tools that suck and how I fix them. Oh, right. Like, yeah, that could be creative. Like, I yeah. think woodworkers would be interested in watching that to be like, well, what tools suck? Oh, man, that is a creative way to fix it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you could you could sell the files or, you know, the parts or the pieces or whatever. I don't know. I fix my worst tools with a 3D printer. Mm, 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 mm. Didn't uh with my best tool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Morley Kurt do uh some stuff like that? Like he like fixed cars or something with He had a little oh. for a while where he would just yeah. set up a shop in, at a shop here in Toronto, a little cafe, and people would come to him with broken stuff and he would just use a yeah. 3D printer to fix it. Right. Like that's yeah. so cool. Super yeah. cool. Huh. Huh. Ooh, I wanted to talk to you. Oh, wait. Actually, I'm going to save this one for the after show. Yeah. I yeah. had that interview for that TV show thing today. Ooh. Um, I told you about. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll save that Excited. for the after show. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to hear how that went. Do I have anything else going on this week? <sighs> no, I'm still waiting on Miranda to want to go out in the garage and, and carve the. Do some carving. Carve. carve. Let's be yeah, let's the, be real. That'll that'll be a while. <laughs> Do you have Power all the epoxy and everything ready for it? No, no. I have to ask Kristen. I haven't, or I yeah. gotta ask Total Boat. I yeah. haven't gotten that from them yet. Have you decided how you're gonna do it? No, because we brainstormed a few ways last time. No, oh, not yeah. yet. Okay. No. Okay. 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 <laughs> Let's be real. I'll probably fail the second time. <laughs> I can try to make a third video out of it. Well, hey, maybe you can 3D print some like special blocks or something oh. in order to help hold it down. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. I could come up with some something clever, something creative. Yeah. Like, boom, I could. I don't have a mixer. I could 3D print a little mixer nozzle to go on my drill. Boom. Sure good. Sure good. See? So many different options. So many different know. options. It's crazy. So what are we at? I don't want to bring up a too big of a, a long topic if we're if we're at. 
we're an hour into the live stream, so we're probably right around the end of it. We, but, you know, whatever. If we go five, ten minutes later, who cares? Okay. okay. So what I wanted to bring up, and maybe maybe this is a, a heated topic for some people. It's really not. Um, and it's something I've, I've started kind of thinking of. And it's it's more related around Instagram is what sparked this. Okay. When do I stop doing things that don't make me money? It's mm. a good question. When they yeah. enjoy. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's not making you money and it's not fun to do, then is there a reason to even do it in the first place? Right. So like I, I was thinking of like Instagram, like, okay, they took away all the methods of getting paid. Mm hmm. It's, well, not all. I mean, you still have brand partnerships. And that's it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's yes. it. Which are few and far between. Yeah. I mean, just like look on your Instagram feed. What's the last time you saw a paid partnership on there? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely not, not as often. many as there used to be. I know Festool just did a campaign with some of their new tools. Okay. Um, I've seen a couple with like Home Depot, but they're kind of always ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how big oh, of a part does the Instagram play in your your funnel ultimately, as far as driving traffic to where you want it? Very. Minimal. I mean, very minimal. It's hard to get people off Instagram. You know, you put a link right. in your story, and like so maybe a hundred people click it. Oh, so dude! Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like yeah. if I have five thousand people watch a story, and I'm like, hey, check out this link. This is this in here. I maybe get 10 people to click on it maybe 15 yeah yeah like it's just I, people don't want to leave the platform yeah yeah but so like i'm starting to think like okay like i i i post videos on instagram tiktok and uh like facebook really because i'm trying to get my facebook up to the spot where i can monetize it mm -hmm. but like honestly like really to be frank, what's the point of posting videos every day on Instagram? Yeah. Well, and that kind of comes back to, I think I said this in a couple, like I haven't posted on Instagram hardly at all in like the last six months. I right. post stories because I actually enjoy like, you know, showing sure. what I'm doing and getting the instant feedback. So I enjoy that part of it. But the like you know long form or like the reels and the posts and stuff like that i haven't enjoyed doing it in a while so i just haven't um right. though i do feel like if once i get my youtube to a place where i'm like consistently hitting my targets for every video sure i would like to invest some time and really learn how to make good short form videos and I think part of my dissatisfaction with Instagram comes from just not really knowing what makes a good video, at least not to Fair. the same level that I know on YouTube. Like we talk about it all the time on the show. Like we're trying to get like watch duration and we have like, I feel like both of us have methods that we use to kind of keep people watching our YouTube videos longer. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like I'm not as skilled as, when it comes to the shorter form stuff. So I would like to develop that skill because I do think there are, you know, there are still ways to monetize Instagram, but it's not with this 
kind of volumetric approach that people used to take where you had to post every day, post wow. multiple times a day. It just doesn't work anymore. So I think if I could do what a targeted, maybe post like once a week on Instagram, but be, you know, consistently hitting like a certain level of viewership, then it might be a little bit more enjoyable for me. Yeah, that's fair. If, I could, your... if I could be a little bit more deliberate with it instead of just uh, kind of the scattershot approach. What would be the metric you define a uh, good short form content as? Like, uh, I mean, the only thing they of... give you is views. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it would or be is views. it like so... intangible, like what you're watching, as far as like the content itself? No, like I think if I knew, like for instance, like every video I put out would get like a hundred thousand views. Okay, guaranteed. Like I was just consistently performing at that level. That might be. I, it would be more enjoyable for me because a lot of time you spend like, you know, an hour or whatever making a reel and it gets seen by like a thousand people. You're like, well, <laughs> right. what the hell? <laughs> but so waste- we also got to put into perspective. You and I have oh, you're right around 100,000 on Instagram, I assume. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So for you and I to get a thousand views on a video is like somebody with a thousand. A thousand followers to get what? Ten views. Something like that. I, yeah, that I, think that match, I think that checks out. Yeah. So it's like you would go, oh God. Like, yeah. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what we're saying. Like, yeah. So like if you have a thousand followers, but you get a thousand views on a video, you're like, oh damn, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Right? So and it's so the same ratio. Exactly. And you know what? Like, I don't even necessarily Like, I think a lot of creators blame Instagram for that. They're like, well, I have all these followers. I should be getting these views. But it's, you know, as well as I do, that it's all algorithmically generated. And the only way to get more views is to have people watch your whole video, right? Right. So I look at it more as just a reflection on me not doing a good enough job. And until I can kind of consistently perform at a level that I'm happy at, I don't really want to do it. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Do you enjoy watching other people's short form content or would you, if I have to, if I'm going to say, Zach, you have 15 minutes, mm-hmm. are you going to gravitate towards a 15 minute long form video or maybe two eight minute videos? Or are you going to gravitate towards 30, 30 second videos? I would gravitate towards like two eight minute videos or 15 minute video. Likewise. And I yeah. think maybe that's why we don't. I always end up picking the 20 minute video. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah me too. Maybe that's why like we don't really enjoy the short making short form because we don't enjoy watching. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I, I love watching long YouTube videos and yeah. I also like in. making long YouTube videos. Right. I'm not, I don't, I'm not one of these people who gets on Instagram and sits there for 30 minutes looking at everybody on my feed. No. I generally only go on to like message people who've responded to my stories and stuff like that. Like I use it like a content Posting creator, this. not a content consumer. But when it comes right. to YouTube, I'm definitely a consumer and a creator. Likewise. Yeah. And, and I think that gives you a lot of insight into like I watch successful videos and I'm watching for entertainment value, but I'm also taking notes like, Oh, I see what he did here. Like that was, yeah. that was smart. Oh, that's a good way to transition there. So I'm like, I'm, you're learning things as you're watching other creators too. And I so do you don't... think, 
I was going to say, do you think that the algorithm takes into account that you're not watching anybody else on those platforms? Could be. Could be, could be. You know, if you ask me on a day when I'm feeling particularly conspiratorial, I might say yes. But at the end of the day, I don't even know. It, it might not. It might not even take that Do into they account. Even care? Yeah, they don't. They probably don't care. They just want people to watch, stay on the platform, and keep watching stuff. So, if as long as you're fulfilling that for them, I assume they're pumping out your content. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. It's it's kind of the point where I'm like. I'll even I literally have the videos on my phone and I'm like, mm-hmm. just, what's the point? I just don't even care. Like, yeah, well, and like, I know you personally, like you started adapting or adopting the post and ghost method. So right. you're not even like interacting with the community anymore. Cause like there, there are moments like legitimately, like when you post something that you're really proud of and people are like, Oh, that's amazing. Or how yeah. did you do this? And you can have like real conversations. But I feel like at a certain point you had to cut that out just because it wasn't, you know, t- viable from a time perspective. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. when people message me, I always respond. I mean, a lot of times, like I, I had a couple people message me today and somebody was like, hey, I'm having a question about like routers and stuff. Rather than me typing, I just do like a voice memo. And people are like, that's so right. cool. Like I <laughs> get a voice memo. And I was like, well, yeah. to be honest with you, it's because it's a hell of a lot more efficient with my time. <laughs> but if people reach out to me, like I'm happy to help. It's just yeah. I don't have the time, especially because Instagram within the last year or so has gotten where it used to be like very, very supportive. But with mm-hmm. the onset of TikTok, now it's a lot more trolls. And it's just like, I just... I just don't have time for this, to be honest with you. Oh, that's interesting. You noticed an uptick in the number of trolls around the time that TikTok came out? Uh, I would say. Families. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely, I definitely noticed more trolls on TikTok than on Instagram. But I wonder if you could correlate there being more trolls on Instagram yeah. as well. I bet you it's, could. I bet you could. It seemed like it really, they came out of the woodwork during the time of, I don't know, about like last summer where where the reels thing came out and it was just like people were just going bananas on certain reels and it's just like it seemed like it just invited so many trolls into the platform and then now you're getting you know all that stuff shown to everybody and it's it uh, to be honest with you instagram is it's it's just no longer fun for me like yeah fair enough man fair enough i have a blast on youtube yeah I like trying to craft a really good YouTube video is fun for me. It's like intellectual, like, I don't know. It's, it's pushing me in a lot of different ways. And if I had that same drive to make short form videos, I think you'd see me more on Instagram and I would like to do it at some point, but I just haven't found the time or energy yeah. to do it yet. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't mind saying this. If Instagram paid me, Mm-hmm. in a way that in a manner that I could actually analyze what I what was working what wasn't working I would have fun making short form videos it's just yeah. in my mind I'm like do I make a YouTube video that I enjoy making mm-hmm. that pays me pretty well plus mm-hmm. I can reliably get a sponsor on it every time that pays very well versus an Instagram video that I now have to shoot in a different format. Yeah. I don't really enjoy making, I get no feedback as to why the video did well or poor Mm -hmm. and you don't pay me. Like 
Why? Why would I do yep. that? Yeah. For me personally. Yeah. No, no, I get everyone. it. I get it. And I don't believe that the, the vertical format is conducive to our line of work. Like, I don't feel mm. like it truly captures what you're doing. I think it's no. fine for if you're talking to camera or, you know, it's, it's people interacting, but whenever you're showing you doing something, I feel like the wide field is much better for showing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you just think about a human's field of vision, it's yeah. wider than it is tall, right? Like, yeah. Right. So it's much more natural to display information that I way. I never thought about that. If I look sideways, oh my gosh. Well, you got two eyes, right? And they're kind of oval shaped, right? They go Ooh. this way. <laughs> you know who else has two eyes? This guy. Our sp- this guy. <laughs> I was going to say our, our returning top tier patrons. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 These people are helping us actually. So late into the night. Ugh. I'm actually working on a new t-shirt design. Ooh. I didn't even tell you about this. It's going it to be you're like, wearing right now. No, 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 Ohio no. bourbon whiskey. No, it's going to be. I'm going to share it in the after show. Cause I don't want any, I don't want certain people to steal it. Okay. And okay. I think you're going to like it, but that's fair. You know, but, uh, what was it? people, the people who do have two eyes, our top tier patrons, returning top tier patrons. We got Brooke Appler at Grizzly mm-hmm. Bear Woodworks. Dadu. Oh, Dadu's in the live stream as well. Hey, yeah, Luke Schmidt. Up. Corey Duvall, uh, mm-hmm. which I was talking to him. Corey, I hope you uh, told all your scuba students up at the Corey about the sharks that are in there. They're not actually sharks in there. Um, Jason Price at Priceless Pro Design. Scott Eastman at ECU's Woodshop. And he's still hanging on. Power Cocker, formerly known as Wes. Hell yeah. So those are just some of the folks that have unlocked many of features, including the after show, uh, merch, Discord server, and a bunch of other stuff. You can get your name on the show and uh, join our fight against the Green Suitors podcast. Remember, every dollar that goes to our Patreon goes towards fighting (laughs) <laughs> their puppy abuse that's front right lines. front lines we're, front yeah lines. we're <laughs> only you can prevent the green suitors podcast <laughs> that's right that's my t-shirt design hey speaking of your shirts um I like it I, I posted a few on i think it was instagram and who was on your shirt two weeks ago uh grit true grit or the sample oh, serious grit serious grit. yeah that's great they were commenting on your shirt. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> you're wearing the. See shirt. if they want to sponsor the podcast. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you really ask them? I haven't yet, but oh, I thought about oh, it. Oh, that would be too funny. That would be too funny. Uh, no, I, I like their sandpaper. I mean, huh? Hey, look, I'll, I'll wear whatever shirt you want me to if the check is big enough. That's right. <laughs> How funny would it be if you had like. Just some... it like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's just a shirt. Oh, hey look how? if we could if we could not if we didn't have to do like an ad read and we could just wear the shirts or like a hat i think that'd be a pretty good background. sponsorship yeah, yeah exactly in a minuscule amount of the people who listen to the show watch it <laughs> yeah but we're not gonna yeah. tell the brands that <laughs> no 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 like we they get we know. get close to a thousand listens on every episode and like we maybe get like 
30 to 40 views on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, they don't need know. to know that, Eric. 30,000. That's right. I should yeah. say. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I wish. Exactly. We, then our YouTube channel would be monetized, but it's not. It'd be nice. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to head over to the after show. We got some questions we're going to mm-hmm. talk about. And if you want to unlock that and unlock more of our nasally drone and make sure right. that Green Suitors Podcast does not make any money, head over to patreon.com slash off the gut podcast and support yes. our fight in preventing the Green Suitors Podcast. Oh, remind me in the after show, I have a question for you about 24-7 live streaming. Oh, you started watching the show Big Brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good trash TV. Still oh, better yeah. than the Green oh, Suitors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. See you, everybody. Peace out.